giant murder hornets from Japan. Oh man, so that's actually a great topic to start on because, you know, we have this virus for one thing, but then something infinitely scarier, giant hornets from, <laughs> from China. And I think it's probably infinitely more dangerous too. Maybe, but it's going to be something that we'll never ever see. But man, just the, the visual of it is Where horrifying. in North America is it? Washington. Good question. Really? Washington? Oh, it's in yeah. Washington? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, they're getting close. Here's a good thing. Know. Here's a good thing about a giant hornet. You can beat it up with a bat or any other blunt yeah. object. You can't yeah. do that with a virus. Nope. So that's good. All right. Well, you, you can beat up a person with the virus and be like, hey, you stay inside. <laughs> yeah, but the blood <laughs> getting on you, you're going to catch the virus. Here's a question for the next, uh, for the next uh, nerd fight. Uh, how do you kill, what weapon do you use to kill a hornet? One of yeah, these giant. A little on baseball bat. <laughs> Tennis racket. Oh, it's gonna go right through. Yeah, but no. it'll just like cheese grate it basically. Just those fall. electric those electric tennis rackets. My dad had one and I touched the, the middle part and it shocked so freaking hard it hurt. Are you serious? I touched them and I could barely feel it. Oh, like this one was I don't know, it must have been pushed fresh batteries in it or something like that. But it, it, it burnt. Like I can felt like it's the same as my finger. I'm also invincible. I can't be careful. I'm I'm gonna oh. wear one of those electric fly thing or one of those electric bug zappers around my neck. There's a track bugs to just you. Wear, just wear a, you know, they're going to, instead of the masks, they're going to mandate wearing beekeeper outfits. <laughs> so the, and this is all just going to be a plot by the beekeeper lobby. Uh, the notorious <laughs> big, big beekeeper. Big, big beekeeper suits. <laughs> oh, exactly. All right. So, yeah, let's move on from big beekeeper suits and get into big media. Um, today, we're going to be dissecting an article um, from the BBC. You can call it that. Yeah, so welcome to another episode of the Nerdwave Podcast. Short story. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all fiction. Um, so the BBC, uh, in honor of May the 4th, I believe, it actually came out a little bit earlier, but I think this is why they, they published it. Um, there was an article printed with the tagline, or with the headline, Why the Empire Strikes Back is Overrated. So when I heard about this article, I was immediately, you know, I took a step back because, honestly, that's just... That's poppycock. Forgive my language. Um, so <laughs> we're going to take a little bit of a journey. Um, we're going to read this article, um, dissect it, what it means, you know, what the guy's trying to say and why we think it's utter garbage. Or That's my opinion. Anyways, I've I've read it. Bobby skimmed through it. Jay's got fresh eyes. Um, so let's see what we think. You guys want to dive in? Oh, let's first of all, introduce yourselves. Uh, Jay and Bobby, say hi. Hi. Jay and Bobby say hi. <laughs> and I'm Kevin, as usual. Um, okay, so this article, again, called Why the Empire Strikes Back is Overrated, written by Nicholas Barber. Um, so let's get started. Starts off with this a little bit of a, of a background. It's 40 years after this, after this month, The Empire Strikes Back was released. And for, the most, uh, and for most of the time, the second film in the Star Wars series has been enshrined as the best, the darkest, the most complex, and the most mature. Directed by Irvin Kirshner, it's the Star Wars episode with the highest score from critics on Rotten Tomatoes at 94%, and from viewers on IMDb, 8.7, and the one that is said to elevate the saga as a whole. Quote, it is because of the emotion stirred in Empire, unquote, wrote Roger Ebert in the Chicago Sun-Times when the film was re-released in 1997, quote, that the entire series takes a mythic quality that resonates back to the first and ahead to the third. This is the heart, unquote. So everything there, you know, he's just giving some historical background. Obviously, I agree with that 100%. Roger Ebert is 100% right. And that's probably why Roger Ebert 
is one of the biggest names in movie critic history. And this dude, Nicholas Barber, I've never heard of this guy in my life. <laughs> so not not until last week or earlier this week. No, and I, I kind of wish I hadn't. Yeah, I don't want to say that this guy's a bad writer at all, but you know, I I d- disagree with this premise as a whole. You know, the writing seems okay. It's more the topic and his ideas that I have a problem with. That's true. And in the future, when we get on to you know our last Jedi review, I think that that sort of holds over to that too, where it's you know the writing is generally good, but it's just not something that I agree with, and a lot of people have that same opinion. Well, so, I don't know. So far, it sounds pretty good to me. All right, yeah. So Jay, Jay's <laughs> a skeptic in our in our hatred. We gotta we gotta sway. We're only Jay. one paragraph in, you know. It yeah. might not take much. Yeah. All right. Next paragraph. I wish I could agree. In he's commenting on you know the Roger Ebert quote. This might come across as a contrarian hot take, but it seems obvious to me that the best film in the Star Wars series is, in fact, Star Wars. Um, then he goes on, What's more, it seems obvious that The Empire Strikes Back is the source of all the franchise's problems. Whatever issues we geeks grumble about when we're discussing the numerous prequels and sequels, they can all be traced back to 1980. I have two thoughts here. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, the first thought, there's a, a little section that you didn't read. And he says, I know we're supposed to call it A New Hope these days, but it was called Star Wars when it came out in 1977, so that's good enough for me. Only people who are complete douchebags really have a problem with that. If you can't call it A New Hope, like, if you really won't call it that, that's a you problem. Like, you know, they, they changed the name of, uh, of Edge of Tomorrow to Live, Die, Repeat. Sure, that's not as cool, but it's not like I'm going to, like, have a problem with either but Was that either official? Name. I don't know. Was that actually official or was that just a tagline? Yeah. Well, I I the think they thing? yeah they changed yeah. it to that for the re-release. Yeah, uh, but let's not get in the weeds there, uh, Bobby. I I disagree a little bit just because you know you can call it whatever you want in my opinion. And, and the reason I skipped it is because it's largely irrelevant uh, mm-hmm. from my point of view. Just because it's like oh I'm just gonna you know get in this weird detail to make myself sound like I'm more of a Star Wars fan than I should be. That's always yeah, like the token star wars fan like oh you mean star wars not a new hope it's like oh god no, it's shut like up. remember in deadpool the uh i can't remember the the girl that he, uh ryan oh, reynolds yeah. character loved she's like star wars not a new hope mm-hmm. it's like nobody talks like that in real life nobody yeah. cares it's like unless this, uh, you're snooty right it's this weird like gatekeeper type thing where it's like oh if you don't know that it was originally just star wars then you're not not a real fan where in my opinion if you were to say star wars that's the whole encompassing genre or the whole the whole franchise as a whole you got you have to differentiate exactly yeah exactly. and uh let's see one other thing it's like i just don't like uh, the last sentence whatever issues that we geeks grumble about when dis- when we're discussing this about like the prequels and the sequels they can all be traced back to empire strikes back I just think that's so stupid. This movie was so good that we, we compare everything after and before it to it. And that's that's a bad thing because that movie was that good. Like, oh, that, that doesn't make any sense. Even that argument for me right now, I mean, that's my first disagreement, is the prequels, I had no problem with the, the canon or whatever they do in the prequel. Mm-hmm. And nothing got retconned. You know, it, it, it fit for me. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as the execution of the prequels, that's a whole other thing. But the story was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my I've always maintained the opinion that if you were to read the plot of the Star Wars prequels to somebody, they would think it was awesome. But when you see yeah. it on screen, it's like, eh, you know, it's it's a the execution sure. was very poor. <laughs> it's for sure. But yeah, I I do disagree that all the problems, you know, the franchise's problems trace back here for multiple reasons, and we'll get to some specifics that he gets into. Um, so yeah, let's continue. Mm-hmm. Next paragraph. 
I should add, before too many people attempt a Darth Vader-style force choke through the internet, that I wouldn't be saying this if I wasn't in awe of what George Lucas accomplished as a writer, uh, a writer, director, and producer of the original Star Wars. That swashbuckling adventure, those iconic characters, that lived-in world with its health or with its with its wealth of history, mythology, politics, and technology. I'm not completely happy with Alec Guinness's toupee, but otherwise, Lucas's ma masterpiece gets more astonishing with every rewatch. So, th this paragraph seems a little bit hypocritical to me because he seems it seems like he's complimenting the whole series as you know in general, but also dissing this particular movie. So, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that they have to be mutually exclusive, but mm -hmm. it just seems like it's almost like. Oh, before you rip my head off, it's great, it's great, but now I'm going to talk shit about it. Like, that's right. what's coming. He's, he's trying to lessen the blow. Exactly, exactly. And I think the whole Alex Guinness's toupee is just done for, for comedy, so no real you know, no real issue with that so far. What do you think with that, about that so far, Jay? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he's just talking about his only movie he likes, just Star Wars or A New Hope, and maybe he's commenting back to that and saying, you know, George Lucas did an amazing job there, you know. But, and then there's the but. Yeah. Yeah, true. So he is sort of saying that, you know, he he's giving George Lucas credit, which is really needed nowadays. I think that we've seen what happens when he's not involved. Um, again, keep an eye out for our reviews of the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's continue. Then came The Empire Strikes Back, a gloomier film, admittedly, but also a slower, stodgier, more contrived, convoluted, and repetitive one. Again... I'm not being perverse here. In 1980, several critics were underwhelmed, including Vincent Canby of the New York Times, who stated that the sequel wasn't, quote, as fresh and funny and surprising and witty, unquote, as Star Wars. It was, he believed, quote, a big, expensive, time-consuming, time essentially mechanical operation, unquote. This, this is where this, this article just goes straight goes to the basement. Off, it's, goes off the rails. Yeah, it's straight garbage. First of all, saying that it's slower and stodgier, more contrived, convoluted, and repetitive, when? You, you got to back that shit up with, with some sort of statement, some sort of evidence that it's repetitive. How is it repetitive? How is it, how is it convoluted? It's a pretty yeah. straightforward story. <laughs> how is it contrived? But then also, you forget, you, you forget to mention that you, know, you have to take the trilogy, original trilogy as a whole. You can't really compare Empire if you haven't seen Jedi. You haven't seen the rest of the movies. You know, you can compare with, you know, New Hope, which obviously, you know, is, is, you know, a fresh movie. And it was, you know, something no one had ever seen before. And then maybe you're, like, hoping for more of something you've never seen before in Empire. But what Empire does is it turns the story on its head. Right. And, you know, and it just, it, it ups the ups the factors. It ups the game. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. It, it, takes, it takes what A New Hope did, and it takes a left turn. It does a more character-centric movie. It's not as, it's not a happy ending. It's not a happy movie like A New Hope was. A New Hope was filled with, you know, hope, like the like the title mm -hmm. suggests. That was the whole point of it. You know, Luke Skywalker is A New Hope. He's supposed to be the savior of the universe over this, you know, dreadful uh, totalitarian government, essentially. And Empire Strikes Back basically takes that idea and puts Luke at a disadvantage. It puts the heroes at a disadvantage. So I don't know how he can even say it's contrived. What is? What are they? What did this story draw from? in order for contrived to be an adjective that could be applied to it. What, I mean, what movie like does this rip off? One scene, I'm thinking, like, as far as contrived, maybe he's talking about the scene where Luke is being trained and he goes into the cave and, you know, fight to fight Vader. That scene is a little trippy, 
But it's like that's like the only thing I can think of that's remotely what like what he's talking about. You know, it's he like, needs to be he needs to be listing off films that this movie has borrowed from or at least gotten some influence from in order to use that that term or and that that logic. Right. And he does. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't know. Does he? I don't know. I haven't read the whole thing, but does he continue? He, he to... goes on uh, next to list some things here, uh, yeah. some of his gripes. So let's get into it. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, he's saying that in response to. Um, Vincent Canby's comment on the movie, basically saying that it's a big, expensive, time-consuming, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but let's be sensible sensible about this. The production design is clearly not on the same level as Star Wars. The rebel base on the ice planet looks roughly what you'd expect of a rebel base on an ice planet to look like. The plain white plastic corridors of Cloud City could have been salvaged from the studio bins after a Star Trek film had wrapped. Had wrapped. So let's stop there. That's the middle of the paragraph. What the I, fuck is he talking about? <laughs> as I was reading this, the, the part about the rebel base looking like you'd expect a rebel base to look, yes. Exactly. Th- they they did exactly what they were trying to do, and you have a problem with so that? where's the complaint like, here? I, I'm yeah. really unsure of what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. And the, the borrowing stuff from other movies, he has to go back and put that in New Hope, too, because literally almost every prop they use in Star Wars is recycled from another movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's such a weird, it's just no and confusing gripe. Yeah, this is this is a weird ass complaint to me because I you know in terms of iconic scenes, the Battle of Hoth is like one of the most like people's minds were blown after seeing that. That scene mm-hmm. was technologically far and above anything that had ever been done in movies before, and so this complaint about the aesthetic just blows my mind. You know, you have you have this white. Uh, you know, this white landscape, snowy landscape with giant gray monsters and then the Repub- the rebels with these orange jumpsuits and, you know, red symbols on their on their vehicles and stuff and like red lasers and blue lasers and all this stuff like the, the it's it's just one of those scenes that aesthetically is one of the most pleasing of the original trilogies. So I don't get and nobody's ever seen these walkers before. You know, mm-hmm. nobody had ever done anything like that with the with the motion capture and, you know. It's just this. It's a weird complaint that I don't understand at all. And then just saying that it could have been, you know, the Cloud City set could have been recycled from uh, Studio Bins of Star Trek. Okay, it's it's a completely repurposed image, though. It, like it, it's something that ended up being pretty awesome, in my opinion. So, and if you look and see if you know what Cloud City actually is, it's a luxury resort, a luxury condo unit. For people that can afford to live there, so it's gonna be opulent. It's gonna be, you know, almost stark. I mean, I mean, if you go to a rich person's mansion, someone that really has taste and has its design, it's not gonna be cluttered. It's gonna be like, you know, very minimal. And it's yeah, gonna have more clean than anything. Clean. Yeah. It's gonna have very like little, probably very little contrast and, and subtleties. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. This guy's his gripes are really like he's. He's pulling them out of a hat just to like you know say something negative about it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So far, so far it seems like these are nitpicks. So we can we can give him the benefit of the doubt there that he's trying he's searching for something. But so far it's not something that's really landing. None of these are real complaints, and they they're completely manufactured so far in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So sh- should we continue? I think we unfortunately should. All right. <laughs> oh, on. All right. These shortcomings are disguised by Peter. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Sushitsky's? Sushitsky's atmospheric cinematography. Okay, so he just got done shitting on the the set design, but then complimented how it worked anyways because of the cinematography. So at that point, who cares? 
if the cinematography is uh, basically offsetting the lack of creative design then whatever if the if the image still comes across it works i mean that's the point it's like in the final product it worked <laughs> exactly but not even shishitsky's spine tingling work could improve a derivative story wow wow what is what is it derivative from unbelievable all right next paragraph key events in star wars include luke skywalker being knocked unconscious by a wilderness alien first of all awesome uh, princess <laughs> leia being captured by darth vader again awesome luke learning about the force from a jedi master in a remote cave a lightsaber duel that ends badly for the good guys a scoundrel abandoning the rebels before having a change for having a change of heart and a protracted battle between the ranks of rebel alliance and the heavily armed empire switch around the order of those events and you got the empire strikes back what what does that even mean he's trying to say that this movie is just a new hope out of order <laughs> He's saying it's, very loosely, like the the loosest of ways. He's technically right, but it's like it's it's just they changed everything that he mentioned. It doesn't matter that the Jawas attacked Luke in the first movie, and then the monster attacked him in the second movie. Like the, it, they're different events. Like it, well, they didn't play out the same way. And to right. and to equate uh, Han Solo leaving because he's a scoundrel. I mean, the reasoning behind him leaving was he had to pay off a debt to Jabba the Hutt, or he which, was which gets be paid in off. Trouble. That gets paid off big time. I know. And so yeah. it's like there was there's there's part of the storyline. <laughs> well, not only that, just go back to what Bobby said. The the difference between the Jawa scene and the Wampa scene, uh, the Wampa being the wilderness alien in, in Empire Strikes Back, he's he's not rescued by a mentor, he saves himself. So that that shows a character growth and yeah, it's growth. The whole point of putting a character in a similar situation that he's already been in and showing a different outcome based on th- what they've learned is totally effective storytelling and it doesn't make sense to complain about it um so yeah uh what the scoundrel thing though um basically he's not abandoning the rebels at that point they're already leaving this base because they're being overrun and so all he's saying yeah he's like i'm gonna make another stop on the way to wherever you guys are going i'll see you later essentially (laughs) and then if i don't uh, do this i'm dead (laughs) yeah right and like you guys said big payoff and then the, the thing about Princess Leia being captured by Darth Vader, that wasn't remotely the same. Like, you know, they were betrayed, Leia and Han and uh, Chewie and all them, they were betrayed by a friend. You know, it's just like, it was just, Darth Vader almost had not, almost had very little to nothing to do with Leia being captured, you know? I mean, obviously he's the force behind it, but he did nothing personally himself to have that done. Anyway, it's just, just a bunch of weird, like I said, weird gripes that don't really make sense. Yeah. That's true. I would I would argue that you know anybody who's seen uh, Jessica Jones season one, have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know how they captured Purple Man like five times in that season. Yeah. <laughs> That's repetitive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So he goes on, and the screenwriters Lawrence Kasdan and Lee Brackett did a clever job of revising and reshuffling our favorite scenes that hardly compares to Lucas's achievement of dreaming up those scenes in the first place. Just more. <laughs> You know, more Bantha fodder right there. Um, <laughs> he goes on. But here's where things get tricky. My grievance with The Empire Strikes Back isn't that it sticks to the winning formula established by Star Wars. What's most uh, That's what most sequels do, after all. My grievance is that it also betrays Star Wars, trashing, trashing so much of, of the good work that has been done three years earlier. My un-Jedi-like anger bubbles up even before the first scene. At the beginning of the opening crawl of introductory text, to be precise... Quote, it is a dark time for the rebellion, unquote. 
says the prose preamble. Quote, Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Unquote. So he, he goes on to dissect this a little bit more, but one thing I want to say before we continue is, is this 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 saying so when I when I was pitching this idea to you guys to watch uh, or to read this on this episode, uh, my un uh, wait, what does he say? My grievance is that it also betrays Star Wars, trashing so much good work that was done three years earlier. So this is the point where I was like, is he trying to troll Last Jedi haters? The Last Jedi haters? Because basically that's one of the biggest complaints of The Last Jedi is that The Force Awakens sets up all the stuff and then The Last Jedi ignores it. So right. that's what he's claiming here, which may, th- this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, when we when you get to the plot of what, the, what happens in The Empire Strikes Back, there's nothing that is completely ignored or, for lack of a better word, shit on from A New Hope in this movie and he tries to, to support this and fails yeah. in my opinion well i think he i think he's trying to go like well they took out the huge they took out the death star you know and that was should be a major victory but obviously they weren't having a good run before they took out the death star i mean the death star was obviously a major victory but it was still difficult to deal with the empire mm-hmm. i mean that the rest of their forces are still there you know? it's not like all, all their forces yeah. were on the death star yeah you know so, that makes no sense so let's expand on that a little bit because that basically works off of his point um, so he says, hang on a minute, quote, although the Death Star has been destroyed, although the sole aim of the heroes and the heroines in Star Wars was to destroy the Death Star, a humongous planet pulverizing spaceship of crucial strategic importance to the Empire. One of their big cheeses announced that, quote, fear of this battle station, unquote, would be every descent uh, would keep every dissenter in line. Another hailed it as, quote, the un or the ultimate power in the universe, unquote. But now the rebels demolishing of the ultimate power in the universe is waved aside with an although that frankly is not on and it's just the first of many instances of the empire strikes back or when the empire strikes back strikes back asks us to pretend that star wars didn't happen so So the the thing for me here is is just the death star was never the thing that was going to be the big power in the universe the the whole thing is about the force and jedi and sith that's the whole point of the underlying saga right yeah and we see as the story continues down the road into the sequel trilogy um, that the ultimate power is not a physical battle station. It is, you know, the Emperor. It, the, it's the Sith power in the Force, and that's the biggest threat. So not only that, one of one of my favorite scenes in in uh, Batman vs Superman, for example, one of one of the only scenes that actually works is when the Batmobile is just destroying everything. It's wrecking house. It's killing everybody. <laughs> it's indestructible. Superman shows up the Batmobile hits it and bounces off and gets destroyed. (laughs) The whole point of having the empire strikes back as a title or a tagline to this movie is the fact that the death star being an ultimate power, that's all fine and dandy. But despite not having that, the empire's hold on the universe is still so powerful that it's able to strike back. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Do you think that they got to power with the death star? No. no, they clearly no. got the power before they made the Death Star. Right. Death Star was their end all, which they counted on or allowed on a little too much, but they mm-hmm. still had the power to do whatever they needed to do. Right. Yeah, and the fact that the Death Star was even destroyed in the first place is what spurred on this counteroffensive at the Hoth base. So it's yeah. like it's all it's all linked, you know. Things throughout history in real life, one little event can spur on something that happens completely different. You know, like Look, how Pearl, did World War Two start? Harbor. 
Yeah. Look at Pearl Harbor. Or our Superman in World War One. It's like there's exactly. something something that can be a major event that may not connect and spur on something way bigger. It's just, so. just dominoes. Exactly. So, yeah, he's completely wrong about that. But he goes on. Remember that scene in Star Wars when an Imperial Admiral mocked Darth Vader for his, quote, sad devotion to an ancient Jedi religion, unquote? Forget it, because in the Star War- or in the Empire Strikes Back, we're told that the Emperor himself is devoted to the same religion. Okay, so How does anybody, that track? so this guy this guy starts out this whole article saying that you know his little humble brag, knowing that A New Hope is actually Star Wars. So he's trying to say I'm a real fan, but doesn't know that the nobody knows the Empire's or that the Emperor is a Sith. That's not yeah. something that he ran on. <laughs> yeah. He kept all that shit secret. That was the whole point. Yeah. Of his, that's how he gained power. Of course, all that stuff is in hindsight, but it do, like it doesn't translate in this because of all the knowledge that we know now, knowing that the emperor kept that a secret. That wasn't his. That wasn't how he got people online. It was his cunning, right? So it's just a that's just a stupid thing. Um, and what about Obi Wan Kenobi? Remember how he stated or how he started training Luke to be a Jedi Knight partly because of his pupil or his previous pupil, Darth Vader. Turn to the dark side of the Force. Narrative logic demands that a ghostly Obi-Wan should keep on training Luke in The Empire Strikes Back and sends his new apprentice into combat against his old one. Forget it. That poor chap is cold-shouldered <laughs> so that Yoda can train Luke instead. Why would wow. it have to be like that? Yeah. Uh, Why would so, a ghost train? <laughs> well, not only that, like, he's assuming a story is going to go, and this is this is more evidence that I think he's trolling The Last Jedi fans because he's... He's saying that he's assuming where a story beat should go, and the fact that it didn't turn out that way is why he's bitching about it, which is what a lot of Last Jedi fans stated. So this is more you know, evidence to me that he's just trying to rile people up, but I can't, can't be sure. Another thing is Luke and or, uh, Vader and Obi-Wan are opposite sides of the same coin. They had, they had a similar you know, uh, plot or that a similar background to each other and their mirror images. Uh, one turned to the dark side, one stayed, you know, with his faith. It turns out that Obi-Wan isn't necessarily the most powerful Jedi still around. He isn't the one who, you know, he wasn't a trainer of the rest of the Jedi. And just like with Vader's side, he's not the most powerful, powerful Sith. He isn't the main bad guy. There's somebody above him. So again, it's just mirroring this idea that, you know, that, Obi-Wan can't be a lesser version of a stronger Jedi is, is ridiculous in my opinion too. So mm-hmm. ridiculous. Should I go on? Any thoughts? Uh, just nothing, just... nothing you haven't already said. It's all ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> all right. He continues watching star Wars and the empire strikes back one after the other is like watching a hijacking. You're seeing a juggernaut being held up and driven in another direction. You can sense that Lucas and his team aren't focused on, aren't focusing on the current film anymore. They're setting up the third part in what would now be a trilogy. And they are no longer interested in wars and the stars. Despite its title, The Empire Strikes Back is rarely about the Alliance versus the Empire. It's about who is related to whom and who is in love with whom. Uh, in parentheses, the two sometimes overlap. It twists the saga from the political to the personal. Okay, one of the biggest complaints of the prequels is it was too political. So why, why is he even bringing this up? Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on, from space opera to soap opera... It is possible to say whether, yeah, it is possible to say whether the Empire strikes or the Empire is better or worse off at the end of the film, after all that supposed striking back. What the the rebels lose in this movie? They get their asses kicked at the beginning of the movie and do nothing 
to to change that throughout yeah. the course of the movie. They just right. keep losing. Yeah. So this idea, is mm-hmm. it possible to say whether the Empire is better or worse off at the end of the film? It's obvious that they're better off. It's yeah. obvious. The, the heroes lose. Han Solo is frozen in carbonite. We don't know what's going to happen to him. Luke just lost a lightsaber battle with Vader. The he guy he was supposed hand. to kill. Yeah, and he lost the hand. And it's just I don't I don't understand this line at all. Can you well, guys help me understand well, this? Okay, I don't understand it, but like just to go against what he's saying, it's like yeah. So the rebels destroyed the Death Star, and look what the Empire did right away afterwards. You know, like they they were chasing the rebels after that, showing force like showing big big time force after big time force. Like they, they were showing their power the entire right. time. Like right. there was nothing after the rebels blowing up the Death Star. Showing that the Empire wasn't in control. Nothing yeah. throughout the entire movie. They didn't throw up their white flag and say, we give up. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just like the title states, they strike back at the beginning of the film. After a year of searching for this hidden rebel base, they find it. They send people, they send their ships immediately. They destroy it immediately. The The rebel alliance is basically in shambles at this point. And then it becomes a very character-centric movie where we, where we dive more into the, you know, the... Um, We're diving into the lore. Yeah, into the aspects of the Force. We learn more about the Force and the Jedi and the and the Sith, you know, the dark side users and all this stuff. And it becomes more about the characters' relationships with each other rather mm-hmm. than world-building, which is what A New Hope really was doing. So, you know, A but, New Hope had to introduce this brand-new universe. That's been mm-hmm. established. At Empire Strikes Back, we want to learn more about the characters and what makes them tick. There was a reason that. why, like, people loved Han. People loved Luke. People loved Leia. You know, they people wanted to know more about them. They wanted the story to be about them. Like, if imagine if we got uh, Empire Strikes Back with just a complete new cast. I'm sure it would have been really good, but it wouldn't have had any of the emotional beats that we got from Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, I'm sure it would have been a good movie, but we care about the characters. We want to know more about the characters. The it's investment like, wouldn't be there. Yeah, exactly. Like, think about it like a like a Transformers or a. Um, or like a Godzilla movie. It's like they always try and put in like all this stuff about characters, but they, they never give like enough good detail. And so it always fails, you know? It's just like we, we care we care about the characters if enough time and attention is put into them. You know, that that's what that's what is necessary. And that's what made this movie one of the best movies of all time. Right. Definitely. So he he sort of puts an exclamation point on the end of this paragraph saying, None of that matters apparently. Compared to the booming declaration, quote, I am your father. So essentially he's saying that the the clout around this movie is all based on that twist, which obviously it's one of the biggest twists in the history of movie making. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get what he's trying to say, but I don't think that negates all the other character development that we've seen and all the new stuff that we've seen, despite him saying that this movie is derivative, <laughs> which just makes me laugh because it's not at all. So... Yeah, that's that's a huge backhand to this movie, saying that that's the line that lifts this movie up. Any thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I just I, I'm in complete agreement with you. It's just yeah, it's so terrible. Like I just I just don't understand these opinions unless he's trolling. But I don't know why BBC would let somebody troll like this. Plus, there's there's a little bit more I have on that topic uh, once we're done. But yeah. Okay, so I'll continue. If The Empire Strikes Back had been a one-off, I could I could have forgiven it by now. How could it be a one-off if it's, if it's yeah. a sequel? That makes no sense. God, God damn it. They're going to ha- end on a cliffhanger and then never continue on with yeah. another movie? Just be like, oh, sorry, guys. It's over. Well, first, they're going to start a movie if it's a one-off. That you have, if, then the new one wouldn't have been there. So mm-hmm. you'd have no reference to what's going on. 
yeah. there's no there's no world building like you said and then they're going to cliffhanger and then not have anything happen after that well to go back to one of the previous lines he said he said they're setting up a third part in what would now be a trilogy i would argue well there there's rumors about whether the fact that this story was written as a trilogy and it was just too long so they or you know written as one movie so they broke it up into three movies who knows if that's really true but they almost made it into four uh the, the rumors have been going on in the last few years that it was almost four movies yeah so if that's true, then this is obviously negated. But despite that, you have a character in Luke Skywalker who's introduced as having magical powers from a mentor who has magical powers and then destroys an, you know, an impossible to destroy space station. And they're just done with that story. We don't learn anything else about his magical powers. Like, I don't think <laughs> that them introducing a story of the New Hope and not expecting it to go anywhere else is just asinine. I think it's short-sighted. They they were obviously setting up story beats that they wanted to continue on. So yeah. that was just, you know, going back to that line. Well, and, it's it's interesting that you talk about that because like the, Star Wars is based off like the serials that George Lucas had as a as a kid and like I I feel like that is maybe the type of thing where like the hero goes out on top and then maybe you don't get more about that going forward. Like that's the type like that's why like movies are better now because they will go into like another movie and like multiple movies in a franchise. So you get to learn about all the in, in, uh, intricacies. <laughs> intricacies. Yeah. Thank you. Well, uh, that, that came from the first, the first movie with all the stuff that they talked about. Yeah. To expand on that whole serial idea, nobody saw a serial and it was a one parter. Like, you know, it was always yeah. the same character yeah. in a different adventure every time. So the fact that George Lucas used serials as a heavy influence suggests mm-hmm. that he had plans to continue on with these characters more. Because also, the heroes don't go on one adventure, and that's it. That's just not how those worked, and that's why Indiana, Indiana Jones followed that same thing, that same sort mm-hmm. of structure. Yeah, and if that wasn't intention, why would he start off in episode four? This would be episode five. And well, at so the time, it, it wasn't episode four. At the time, it was just Star Wars. As, yeah, I'm sure, as the but... gatekeeper told us. <laughs> I'm the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? You're, but that's, that's, that's saying that you know George Lucas didn't have anything of any of this written down any of his lore, you know, or ideas in his head about what happened before and what happens after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's putting, he's, he's thinking like he's, he's deciding for George Lucas that this was the first and only the beginning, exact beginning of star Wars. Right. Well, we, we can't really uh, speculate on what was in George Lucas's head at the time when he made the first one either. But I think that the evidence is there that it's more likely that he was wanting to continue with these characters. Yeah. It wasn't just the success of the movies. It was, you know, a plan that he had. So so he goes on to say, um, but what about all the many films that have been used or that have used it as a model? All the films that have tarnished Star Wars by contradicting its mythos and obsessing over its family trees. All the tiresome dramatic revelations which have tried and failed to be as mind-blowing as the one about Luke's lineage. I was annoyed when Qui-Gon Jinn was shoehorned into Obi-Wan's past in The Phantom Menace. Annoyed when Rey became Palpatine's granddaughter. I actually am too. Uh, <laughs> in The Rise of Skywalker. Annoyed when the emergence of the all-conquering First Order in The Force Awakens reduced everything done by Luke, Leia, and Han, uh, and Han Solo to a footnote. But I accept that the writers and the directors of the, those films were only following the Empire Strikes Back. Strikes Back. Uh, bad example. So I don't understand the Qui-Gon Jinn part. You got shoehorned yeah. into Obi-Wan's past? Yeah, why? Because because Obi Wan never mentioned him in the original. Who cares? Obi Wan Obi Wan in those movies was like sixty years old, and we know barely anything about his backstory besides the fact that he trained uh, Anakin and that he fought in the Clone Wars. 
That's Can it. you believe that they shoehorned in all those Jedi's, like all, all that Jedi Council, without <laughs> him ever talking about them? That's yeah. Some bullshit right there. All all this all that did was basically expand on the structure of the Jedi Order. So how is that a bad thing? Basically, there has there's a master and a Padawan. The Padawan goes through the the knights the Jedi Knight trials, becomes a master, trains a Padawan. It's all. That's that's what it is. So all we're doing is ex- expanding on Obi Wan's adolescence, essentially. So why is that a problem? You know what I hated in Back to the Future when they went back to that school dance, and there were all those people that went to that school that uh, George and Lorraine never talked about. You know, <laughs> all those people there, and we never heard about them. Yeah, sounds like some kind of conspiracy. Friends? Yeah, like was Qui Gon just like <laughs> an acquaintance of Obi Wan? He never mentioned him. He'd only been dead for forty years. My biggest issue with that he just read is, like, obviously George Lucas is basing a lot of this on actual history. You know, when he talks about the First Order coming into power. Well, I mean, if you look back at World War One, as the, you know, Germans are in power, and then World War Two happens, the Third Reich, it's kind of like, it's, it's, an it's bearing, it's yeah. offshooting of actual history. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to complain about actual history. They're probably the greatest story ever told. <laughs> to expand on that, too, when before before The Force Awakens came out, um, one of the things that I had talked to Bobby, because obviously we've been talking about Star Wars for <laughs> forever, way too long. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I was I was hoping to see was a fractured empire, basically the remnants of an empire trying to come back again. And the First Order was basically one of those offshoots. Just like when the Roman Empire fell, the individual generals of their in charge of their specific areas all tried to start their own empire. They all tried to seize control. So I was hoping to see that kind of thing. So again, a historical parallel to the narrative that's being told in these stories. So the fact that Luke, Leia, Han, you know, they their win in Return of the Jedi was negated by The Force Awakens with the rise of a new power, I don't think that undo, undoes what they do at just by that particular fact. I think as the narrative continues through the sequel trilogy, that is what ends up happening, especially for Luke's legacy. But just the fact that a new superpower tried to take over and, you know, undermine the resistance or the the republic isn't a problem at all so i don't know i I just don't get what this guy's problem is with that and him saying that these you know uh he says but i accept that the writers and directors of those films were only following the empire strikes back's bad example this is a movie that is trying to be that's been you know people have been trying to replicate it or you know um basically recreate this the tone of this movie since it came out so yeah. how can you say that the a bad movie with an epic ending and a you know a dour ending at that trying to be replicated is a bad thing why would they do it if it was yeah. a bad thing it's ridiculous ridiculous so he goes on basically this last paragraph will wrap up the uh the article he says it's not just star wars films that have made the exasperating mistake of prioritizing franchise building over simply making a good film either. I would argue that this movie does not try to franchise build it. It's a character-centric movie. It's not world-building. They're not trying to basically say, hey, keep an eye out for the next movie, despite its ending being a cliffhanger. This movie is very much, we're going to delve deep into these characters because we want to know more about the characters. So that's just a a ridiculous line. Uh, Think of all those films and TV shows that assume we'll jump for joy when the villain is revealed to be Sherlock Holmes' sister or James Bond's childhood pal. Those are movies that did not set up those twists correctly, and that's why they failed. Think of all those superhero blockbusters that waste time teeing up the next installment in the series. I'm sorry, but The Empire Strikes Back has to take the blame for all of them. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. 
No, I don't, because I'm connected with the Force way more than you are. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nicholas Barber. Got my face. But That's like blaming yeah, someone who does something great and people trying to imitate it and failing. I mean, it's like, if that person didn't do that great thing, I mean, we wouldn't have... I don't know. It's just... A lot of his arguments are just, like, grabbing out of air. He's grasping at straws, and it's really... just because somebody else tried to be derivative of a story doesn't mean the original story is bad it just makes sense it makes it's it's like if you if you do try and imitate something like one of the best twists of all time you're most likely not going to live up to it you know it's just like if you if you're working off one of the best movies of all time it's just it's you're setting yourself up for failure if you're trying to go for something incredibly similar that's why you're going to make it it well yeah and, and you have to make it your own you yeah. have to write it good. You have to write it well, you know? Like, you have to do something all your own with that subject matter, yeah. you know? Right. Well, let's talk about, like, he says James Bond. Um, he, he's referencing Spectre. So, mm-hmm. in that Yikes. movie, basically, <laughs> that movie introduces a brand new villain that we only know of because of the original movies, right? This is essentially <laughs> a reboot. So, everyone goes, oh, Blumfeld, we all know who he is because of the originals, but... If you look at the movie in a vacuum and you say, okay, here's this new character that was introduced in the movie. Oh, wow, this guy's behind everything? This guy is the main villain? Oh, shit, and he's also related to Bond in some way? That's not effective because the what makes this effective is because Vader was the bad guy of the first movie and he's just presented as this unstoppable force, this mysterious power, this superpower. And Luke, being this farm boy who's able to destroy their biggest weapon... Then in the second one, it comes out and you learn more about both of those characters and it turns out that there's a connection between the two. That's more effective because the character already existed. Blumfeld in the Bond movies was never there. You know, he was there until never. the fourth movie. What if, uh, what if uh, the instead of Blumfeld being the brother or the villain and his brother, what if uh, the new M turned out to be his father or something like that? Like an already established character. That's already better writing just based on the fact that he's already been introduced and he's already got a, uh, a Bond no pun intended with James Bond (laughs) right right you know it's like you could do better writing like just you have to establish things the fact that Vader was like you said the villain in the first movie like it just having a character in a movie and then in the next movie revealing that they were a bad guy is already a better twist than introducing a new character into a movie well not to mention you you just created the biggest baddest and scariest villain in cinema history Mm -hmm. and then turns out to be this guy the, the best the most probably you know, pristine and pure person. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's his father. And yeah, how, I know. It, how has that yeah. come of this? That, you know? That's so crazy. It's like it's Vader originally was just like some, some badass villain. And it's like, you know, making it more personal only made it better. Like right. that, that twist is the best twist of all time in any movie. I don't care what anybody says. Like and, you can put up an argument. It's just, there's nothing that's going to beat this. Yeah. Like the sixth sense probably gets close, but this is like, this was something that was mind blowing. Cause like Jay said, you have this unstoppable monster, essentially a faceless killer, you know, who's, you know, commits genocide essentially, or helps commit genocide. Um, and then it turns out that he's got a real personal connection or a real personal relationship to your hero that adds an extra twist to, um, you know, now now Luke has to kill his dad. It's not just mm-hmm. about saving the universe. He's got to kill his dad. It doesn't matter if he wasn't raised by him. It's just like, it adds this extra facet to, um, to the story. And we talked about this when we did our outbreak review about, you know, the relationship there, the love story. Adding another, a, a deeper personal connection to a conflict makes everything better, and it's not out of nowhere. It's not like Blumfeld in you know in the Bond movies. So it's just also 
there's that extra bond there between, okay, it's their father and son, but they're also bonded in the force. So it's yeah. like it doubles up. And then, right. you know, it's, it's like, it, it's just insane. It's just, he was also, uh, before they even found out about the twist, that, like towards the end of the movie, he was also worried about becoming Vader. Like, because he was kind of like gravitating towards the dark side when he was going through his training. There was some kind of connection with Vader there that he knew, like he could feel, but he just didn't know exactly what it was. And obviously, right. like you said, there's multiple connections. Not only that, when when we learn more as the story progresses and we learn more in the prequel trilogy and, and the Clone Wars series, the fact that Anakin had a pull to the dark side the whole time. So obviously his lineage might have the same predilection. And so Vader or Luke seeing himself in Vader's mask is a manifestation of that feeling of basically the draw to the dark side. And that was the whole point. So it's, it's just ridiculous. And then as we learn more in the future, too, about these characters, this this pivotal moment sets up all the stories we learn about Vader in the future, about his struggle with the dark side and his eventual redemption is the fact that he does have a connection to the light side and him being Luke's father is what brings him back to the light Mm -hmm. side. So it's all, it's very important. So him saying none of that matters apparently compared to the booming declaration of I am your father. That's one of the most pivotal and built upon moments of the whole series for the Mm -hmm. next 40 years. So it's just like it's not a one-hit wonder, that, and that's yeah. I know that's what he's trying to say. But it's it, there was so much work put into it, like you're saying, it's yeah. it's insane, right? And how are you gonna get mad at the freaking Beatles, right? The Beatles <laughs> were an innovative band that people tried to tried to replicate or or build off of, and so mm-hmm. he's bitching about all these movies that tried to to tried to recreate the same feeling, and they failed. It's like, yeah, because they set up a groundwork for something that was so impactful, culturally and you know filmatically. It's just like. Plus- that's how any art works, honestly. Yeah, exactly. That's how every piece, every kind of different form of art works. Right. And it's just, I mean, you someone's copying someone or, you know, emulating what someone else did, and they make it their own. And then from there on, it grows out and branches into other things. So no, that's how yeah. music works. That's so how painting why, works. That's why bitch about the failures? Why not talk about the, the people who are able to do it effectively, like, you know, another Disney property in the MCU being, you know, you could even argue, you could argue that, uh, Winter Soldier is the empire of that universe, or you could argue Civil War. They both do it effectively, where the heroes essentially lose, and it and it works because mm-hmm. it subverts expectations in an effective way. Which you know we'll get to the Last Jedi, where it doesn't do that very well. Um, <laughs> well, how many yeah. times by 1980 have we seen the heroes lose the way that they lost in that movie? And then yeah. the movie end. There was yeah. no real ending for this movie. The movie ends with them just staring out of the spaceship without Han, not knowing where, where they're going next. But like several, you know, several things have been set up, you know. Yeah, right. We know something's going to happen, but we don't know exactly when or what. But it's like the, they, the heroes were like Luke got a new hand and like he's just standing there with, with Leia and I, I think uh, Chewie was there and like the, the robots and everything. But it's like that was such a downer ending and that's what makes it so great. You know, and I don't know. I don't mean. I, can we? Can you guys? Can we name a movie before 1980 that actually really did a lot of that? I don't I have mean, a ton of uh, knowledge of that, but I like. There's like nothing that I can think of. If you look at even Westerns, after that, if you look at westerns. Maybe you're the main character. You're following. Oh, you, maybe like Shane sure. or something Shane, like that. But he's actually the villain, and you're following inside the story. <laughs> and then so the good guys end in the win, and win in the end. It's like the good guys were still winning. When was then. Butch Castings and the Sundance Kid? That well, was... then again, they were they were villains too, right? Yeah, or they were the outlaws. They were criminals. Sort of, outlaws. Yeah, they were like the lovable, you know, the lovable bad guys. They were the Han Solos of their movie. Is exactly, 
Yeah, so um, the only other thing I could think of is maybe I'm not really I've never actually seen the Godfather trilogy, but those were out around the same time. So I don't know how the first one ends. Is it on a bad note? But then again, they're the bad guys too. Well, it's so, bad guys just bad guys in there. So how do you? Yeah, win? so no winners essentially. Yeah. But I do know that Star Wars, you know, Jaws. Jaws was probably the first blockbuster movie that has ever existed. But Star Wars came shortly after with the intention of creating a franchise. Um, so, yeah, I think that to build off of what Bobby was saying, um, the end of the movie it has so many great notes because you know the the heroes lost, but there we get to see the rebel fleet and it's pretty substantial there's a lot of ships so you're almost like oh this is awesome i want to see what comes next because we just we lost so how do we rebound and so it's so effectively well done um and then not only that but the questions about what's going to happen to han you know what how many when we saw the force awakens how many theories did we discuss about what was going to happen for the years to come until the last jedi came out were we like, oh, what's going to happen here? This story beat was introduced. What's going to happen here? Empire Strikes Back was the original one to do that. So it's yeah. like, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to think that, you know, to go against not only popular belief amongst true Star Wars fans, but to be so <laughs> misinformed. So matter as, of fact about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's such a misstep as of an article. Mm-hmm. Um I really want to say he's trolling. I really do. And, and it's like, honestly, I think someone above him and maybe sees, maybe he didn't really want to write it. So he's pulling these things out of a hat. Well, Bobby's someone above him. about that. Here's where, you're, here's where I think you're wrong in that, Jay, because uh, it had an article, like a link to an article. Um, the, it's called, uh, let's see, why Star Wars should have, or why Star Wars should have stopped at just one film. This was written in May of 2017. So this is even six months before The Last Jedi was released. And I, I haven't read the whole article yet, but like just by the name of it, obviously they think it should have just been Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, and that's it. So it's like yeah. I, I don't see any way. Like this guy has had this grudge for at least a few years, if not yeah. longer than that. I'm, yeah. he's, he's a Trekkie. That's obviously. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, the sets are repurposed Trek Star Trek yeah. sets. Yeah. He's like, oh, shut he's up. no, he's no Picard. <laughs> you, you know what's weird to me about uh, about these articles on uh, the BBC's website? Uh, two things pop out to me. Uh, one, there's no comment section, so nobody can you know tell you how uh, how you, know, you feel about it. The hallmark of a terrible YouTube video is when you turn off the comments on it, so you can't see the backlash yeah, so to your terrible it, video. Yeah, it's well, censorship you're controlling. <laughs> to be fair, it does say if Actually, you'd like to comment on the story or anything else you have seen on BBC Culture, head over to our Facebook page. So. They they probably have some sort of community for commenting, but you got to jump through through hoops to get there, I guess. Another thing, based, it's funny you say that. I went to go see uh, some more articles written by Nicholas Barber. I can't even click his name to go get more articles by him. I just I think that's a little weird. Uh, I mean, it's not a, it's not a huge problem. It's just like where can I find more of your articles? Like, have you been like, have you had this agenda for like you know more than just the two articles? Apparently, I can't find it without doing some extra searching. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He probably, are, he is. probably didn't get to buy tickets to see the prequels from at midnight. He just missed out. They sold out. He was upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's yeah. funny because I, I, uh, I think I was the one who originally found this on Twitter. And I, I'm just reading through the um, – I, I like somebody posted a picture of the article or of the tweet. And just everybody is unhappy about this. Just, you know, it's like nobody's agreeing with him. It's like that's good. You, at least that brings me. You hope. can't a new hope. Yep. Yeah, but then at the same it's time, it's Star Wars, Kevin, idiot. Oh, that brings me a Star Wars. 
but at the same time, he's getting recognition for this. And although his name's out there, you know. Yeah, that's what and it's it, designed to do. It's designed yeah. for people like me to, you know, shit all over <laughs> it. Which is why I think he's he's a troll. But you know, it there's a lot of this stuff that comes off as sincere. It's just it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. I, I think I think he truly believes it based on what I'm reading here and based on the other article. Yeah. Um. Just. It's just a, it's a bad like you know not everybody's gonna have the same opinion, but I don't know how these people exist. You know, it, it's like me personally. I uh, when we did our Star Wars rankings, I had A New Hope as my number one movie, but I had Empire's number two, and it was a very it, it's like you know right there. It's both of these movies are excellent movies, but the second movie, you know, Empire Strikes Back, certainly isn't worse because I think A New Hope is better. You know. A New Hope just did something that was amazing and no one ever saw before. Yeah, they're, 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 like Kevin said, they're the Beatles, you know? Right. It was the Beatles of this of this franchise, you know? Yeah. And I guess you could say that Empire Strikes Back, for Kevin, I would say, like, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yep, Led Zeppelin's the best. And then uh, Return of the Jedi is the Stones. <laughs> God, what does that make the prequels? Oh, man. Like uh, the monkeys? Or... Imagine Dragons. <laughs> no, or, that's the, the sequels train. are Imagine Dragons and Train. Okay. <laughs> and Nickelback. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Steel J. Vicky. All right. Yeah, so we should probably wrap this up. Any any final thoughts on this on this article? Just is a bad premise. I think that probably just trying to get recognition, like you guys are saying. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't I don't think all all press is good press. That's that's just what I'll say. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think this guy is just a troll. Honestly, he's just trying to cause a stink to get people to read his stuff and make him think he's relevant. When you know, obviously, we never heard of this guy before, so it's not changing much. Right. Well, I'm gonna link this article in the description so you guys can check it out yourself. Again, it was on uh, BBC by Nicholas Barber. So give it a read. Get, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, obviously, we disagree with it heavily. I will say just to wrap up this this episode that um, believe what Roger Ebert said, and I'll read his quote again. It is because of the emotion stirred in Empire that the entire series takes on a mythic quality that resonates back to the first and ahead to the third. This is the heart. Um, he's, you know, he's spot on with that quote. This movie dives into a characterization um, of you know our main characters and and shows us more into who they are as people. Um, this movie is the heart of the series, and it will always be the best of the series, in my opinion. I don't know about you guys, but um, w- watch it based on that quote. If you've never seen it, and I don't know who those people are who haven't seen it. Who are these people? <laughs> Check it out. Follow Roger's words. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll move on. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out uh, for some of our future episodes. We're going to be continuing to review the uh, the sequel trilogy. Um, I think next, uh, at the time of recording, next is The Last Jedi, so... <laughs> Good luck, everyone out there who's a fan of that. Yeah, movie. well, we we started off strong with the Force Awakens, so we'll, we'll you know it's gonna be tough, a tough ride going forward. Downhill ride. All right. Yeah. Well, until next time, um, everybody, we'll we'll see you there. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe again. Oh, let, let us, us know if article. you think we're right. If we're wrong, just just let us know. If any, Give if we've been cup. right about anything, it's this. I will. Yeah. I will die on this I hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for riding the wave. Well, I get fitted. Watch him. Bye. 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 Bye.